You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Bible prophecy update for you now in these two episodes by Brother Grant Jolly that was presented at the Aberfoyle Christadelphian Hall in February. It's entitled, How Long, O Lord? And it's a sign of the Times update. So we're going to be having a detailed examination of the signs of the Times, recent signs of the Times, in relation to Bible prophecy. Current events are building up to the position where Christ will soon return to the earth. Russia will take Turkey back to herself, but this may be after the faithful are taken to judgment. Russia's invasion of Egypt, then Israel will bring forth the wrath of God upon the nations administered by the saints. Points of reference for that quote is Ezekiel 38 and Zechariah 14 and many others which the speaker for the grant will delve deep into. I hope you enjoy this series. Thanks. But what an exciting time we live in. Now I'd like you to think about this, brethren and sisters. Here's the headlines about a week and a half ago. A New South Wales paper, The Sun, said, Russia is on the brink of invasion and once again we'll try to redraw the map of Europe, East Europe, amid World War III fears. What an exciting statement, brethren and sisters. Terrifying for the world, but for us thrilling because we know this. Here's the words of Elpis Israel. When Russia, here's in the introduction to Elpis Israel, in the preface, when Russia makes its grand move for the building up of its image empire, then let the reader, that's us, know that the end of all things at present constituted is at hand. So indeed, brethren and sisters, the time appears to be very short. But let's remember what we just read a few moments ago. There in chapter 5, verse 2, it tells us that what we should be doing is realising it comes at a time when many do not expect it. Unexpected, like a thief in the night. You know, we listen to the news night after night to get the news on the radio, and it's all coronavirus and sport. That's all you get. Ever so rarely you get something on Ukraine now. But it's at a time when many of us could be unexpecting it. But it will come, and it will come very swiftly. Like the travail upon a woman, come quicker and quicker, the signs. And we're seeing that now. And brethren and sisters, therefore, we should not be in darkness. We should be indeed the children of light. How do we feel? Is that our attitude? Let's hope it is. So that we watch and are not asleep. So we're motivated, we're moved, brethren and sisters, to follow Christ's example. Let's be like that, brethren and sisters. So watching really is important because it's a motivation. It causes us to watch and it warns us. 
that the time is short. Think of these. Noah. He was warned, wasn't he? And he built the ark. And then seven days before the flood came, there he was. And he saved him and his family. Lot, take that. Lot was called to leave. And he escaped and was saved along with some of his family who responded. And the brethren in AD 70, they were warned, weren't they, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Vespasian came and lifted the siege for a moment, they got out and went to Pella. Brethren and sisters, what's it going to be like with us? The time is super short. We've got to be able to respond to that knock on the door. The Lord says, go immediately. I'll send for you and I'll call you. Be ready, brethren and sisters. Be ready. But what are we seeing now? A time of great trouble. All right? What did the scripture say? It said in Daniel chapter 12, just before Christ comes, it will be a time of trouble such as never was. And in Luke, it speaks of perplexity. No way out. No way out. Well, what are we seeing today? Here we are, last day of January. Look at the coronavirus all around the country. Nation, uh, state after state, Queensland. 460,000 cases. Over a million in New South Wales and so on. And worldwide, it's the same. Here we are, the first of February, just a few, yesterday, 377 million cases worldwide. Deaths, 5 million. Cases in USA. Brethren and sisters, what have we been told? We're in those days. Those days, brethren and sisters, when time is super short, a time of trouble such as never was, and that plague was predicted. It was predicted that it would run on into the days when Ezekiel 38 would be fulfilled. And that's our days almost, isn't it? Or when the saints emerged from Sinai. And again, in the early stages of the kingdom, those nations who are rebelling, they also experience a plague. Well, indeed, our day is truly a difficult time. Just a minute. Did I press it twice? Yes. Um, we are facing doomsday. The world is saying it's so serious. Look here. Start of the year, or just a few days ago, January the 20th. What did they say? It's 100 seconds to midnight. We're facing doomsday. They are seeing it, but we are seeing it so clearly from the Bible. Here's China. They built so many homes with all their money, it's gone crazy and they're looking like part of it's going to go bankrupt. Evangrad, a huge company that builds homes over there, high-rise buildings, have built enough, more than enough, enough for 90 million more than they want, they need. Enough to put up all the people of France, Germany, Italy, UK and Canada. Seems absurd. And they think it could well collapse the economy of China and have a worldwide consequence. China's Evergrande defaults on debt spark global concerns. We're living in a difficult days. Take America. Oh, 
This was updated today, but I haven't brought it up to date. America, a couple of months ago, there's Biden, had to get together the parliament to extend the debt of America. Massive debt, or they wouldn't be able to run the country. Despite months of wrangling, the Democrats and the Republicans have been unable to agree on a deal. But they finally did. Oh yes, they finally did. And raised, oh they'll extend the debt by another 2.7 trillion for 2020, the remaining, The second highest on record. And apparently it's even been extended further just today. It's a staggering state. This is supposed to be one of the most affluent, capable economies in the world. It's in a terrible mess. And now look at climate. Russia's unprecedented fires. Look, it reached this temperature in Siberia. It's unbelievable. The ice melted, grass grew, nobody was up there, lightning struck and a fire burned twice the size of Portugal. Staggering. Staggering. And then, bushfires across USA. 44,000 last year. Look at the fires that have been over Europe and here's worldwide. Staggering situation. Have we ever seen anything like this, brethren? It says, what are we being told? We're being told the days are super short. And there in Europe, huh, the other extreme. Floods. Look what happened. Here in Germany, in Belgium, 222 got drowned because of these huge floods that came last year. And here they are again. Here's one of the cities. The township got flooded. Look at it. They got two feet of rain in a half a day. A bit like the outback of Australia. A bit more on that in a second. Here we are. Look at this. Staggering. One in 200-year floods events cut off food supplies for the outback. Highways closed. Look at them. See, here's a railway line running underneath it or coming up to it. It's unsafe. And so they're having to repair them. They said it'll take weeks and weeks. Ten trains, I think it was, or might have been eight trains, go through to Western Australia every day. Can't go now. So the railway lines are cut in Australia. And there were floods, huge floods in the outback. Look at it. Look at the trucks here, mounting up. They're having a little detour. Only 3,000 kilometres more to travel to get the food from around here or here right into Darwin. Uh, to, to, yes, Darwin. 3,000 kilometres more travel to get the semi-trailers there. Going over into New South Wales to get around it. Huge flood. Yesterday I was listening to the radio and a lady was talking. She was going through Port Augusta and suddenly the rain came down. A truck came by and swooped the water up and a whole car flew over. Got hugely damaged. So incredible situations are happening, brethren and sisters. Here's Tonga. And out there... A volcanoes underneath the sea suddenly erupts. And here we can see it erupting. And it reached 22 miles up into the air. And they said the eruption explosion was bigger 
than 25,000 times the explosion that happened in Beirut when that, that fire burnt last year. Incredible. 22,000 times the Beirut blast. When the blast took place, the shockwave travelled out at 600 miles per hour. Tsunami waves were hit, affected in Japan and western USA. Huge damage. Staggering. And the shockwave was heard in New Zealand, 2,000 kilometres away. It's staggering what we're seeing, brethren. This is utterly staggering. We are being told something. The days are short. Here's USA. Millions hunkered down as a storm hits eastern USA. Major winter storms hit across USA. I wrote, I got this a little while ago. 17th, there's been another one over here. 31st of January, snow bomb unleashed blizzards on the east coast of America. That area got hit again. Over a quarter, nearly a quarter million people lost their power and such like. It's not just this. There's been storms, tornadoes and such like going across USA. And it's not just there. Here, brethren and sisters, winter storm called Elpis. <laughs> Funny name. Heads to Israel after battering Greece and Turkey. There's Istanbul. And look at the storm. Came down and hit Israel, Jerusalem. There it is. Amazing what we're seeing, brethren and sisters. Utterly staggering events. We are being shown something primarily, I believe. Primarily we're being shown that the time is super short. But as well as that. Well, I showed you this last year, but I want to add a bit more. Russia hacked in to the defence and treasury of USA. They called it, it's so serious, they called it the Pearl Harbor cyber attack in USA two years ago. But it didn't stop there. Then the pipeline going from down here in Texas up to New York got cut. Well, didn't get cut. Somehow a cyber event took place and it closed it down. And they couldn't get petrol in New York. Cars for much of it couldn't get petrol to the petrol station. Because thousands and thousands of gallons didn't come through that pipeline. How did they fix it? They couldn't. So you know what they did? They paid the Russians who were running this, who did it, $3 million and it was lifted. Then something happened here in Australia, also in USA. The meat works over in USA got hacked into a cyber attack. And it grown to halt. They couldn't operate. Don't know why, but they couldn't operate. And that company also was in Australia. In Australia, we stood down 11,000 people for a short time till somebody paid the Russians out. White House. The White House came to the aid and paid the Russians out, a Russian group working in USA, and then it was lifted. Staggering. But now, brethren and sisters, come closer to the signs that we know so well. 
Britain will not ally with Europe but with the Young Lions. Well, we've seen Brexit take place about two years ago, didn't we? We know that had to happen. Brother Thomas said so. Brother Roberts, Brother Mansfield, various other people down through time, Brother Pierce said so. From the scriptures that they might leave and they would depart. And they did. But brethren and sisters, it's had ramifications. You see, as the EU disintegrates before our eyes, because Britain has pulled out and it's sort of breaking up a bit, a new group's been formed called the Kanzak. Canadians, see the note, the names here? First letters, Canada, Australia, New Zealand and United Kingdom. But with that, Boris said this, let's then move away from Europe and embrace the Commonwealth. And there's some of the Prime Ministers of the Commonwealth countries. And so the young lion is coming under the control of the old lion, exactly as we would expect, brethren and sisters. But it even went further than that. Here in Australia, we were going to get submarines from France. So we decided, no, we can't. Might be a few faults with from France, but at least they're running on fuel. And who knows, we've got to go into various ports. Let's get a nuclear one. So this ANZIC alliance was formed. And we bought nuclear subs, or we're going to buy them, from America with the help of Britain. And so here we are. But Lotus, the deal promises not only nuclear submarines, but even more, an intimate involvement of the US, Britain and UK. Commonwealth coming together more and more and more before our eyes. And so that ANZAC alliance well, was a pact that calls that we don't want Europe. A defence pact, a wake-up call for Europe. They haven't got the help of the Commonwealth anymore. And so what's happening over in Europe? Well, here we are. Here's the lady who runs the uh, UN, and uh, NATO, Ursula van der Leyen. And what she decided to do when that Brexit took place, she decided to turn some of the companies in Europe into forming weapons. Because we're, Europe, the, Britain and America are getting a little bit more distanced. And so she was worrying. She said to many of the companies, we'll take you over and you can make weapons for Europe. If you owned a bit of that company, what would you do? Well, you're obviously not going to get dividends. So many of the people who own shares and such like pooled money, and they said, where can we put it safely? They said, into Britain. And this is what happened. First part of this year, the pound went up against the euro as they moved money out of Europe into Britain. And it started to really prosper a bit more. But we expect Russia will ally with or conquer Europe. At the moment it sounds very much like conquest, doesn't it? But it may be the other way. It might be all talk and they submit. But we know that must happen. Ezekiel 38 tells us that Gog, will, or Gog, the chief prince of Rosh, you know, Russia, will ally with all of Europe, France, Turkey. We're going to see that, brethren and sisters, 
But look what's been happening this year. This is what we're going to follow through in a few minutes. We're going to look at Belarus. We're going to look at a thing called Zapad, a manoeuvre, a military exercise. We're going to look at the refugees coming to the Polish border. Kazakhstan, the development that took place there. Gas and oil supplies to Europe. And the threat of taking control of Ukraine and Eastern Europe. Well, last year, or the year before, there were protests in Belarus because it looked like Belarus might ally with Russia and they were protesting like mad. But suddenly, it all happened. Belarus aligned with Russia. And here is their Prime Minister aligned with Putin. Just in a moment, Belarus has now fallen under the influence of Russia. Leaders of the you know, protest, one of them was taken prisoner into Russia, another one was captured off a plane and again put into prison. Ooh, you are being sold, don't you oppose the government. You support Russia or else. But you know, everybody was worried about Ukraine. And so they did a massive, Western countries, did a massive naval manoeuvre in this area here. First of all, Britain sent ship, ships in there, into the Black Sea, just north of Turkey, right? Just to say to Russia up here, don't threaten Ukraine. We could come to their aid. And then they did a massive manoeuvre called the Seabreeze Manoeuvre, and 32 countries sent ships there to say, we are supporting you, Ukraine. Australia was supposed to send a ship there. I think we must have sent a rowboat or something like that. I don't know what we lost up there. But anyhow, the ships went up there. And that manoeuvre was done June this last year. Okay? What did Russia do? Hmm, this is what it did. Just a week or two later, they brought around Hawaii here. They brought... Huge number of ships, 20 Russian warships, the largest war games manoeuvre since the Cold War. They sent 20 fighters over the top of Hawaii and reminded them of Pearl Harbour. And so the headlines are, World War III, don't stop us acting in what we're doing. And I believe that was a reply to the manoeuvre that was done off Ukraine. Do anything nasty and look what we can do to you, America. But now, what about Europe? Oops, sorry, let me come back one see if it will work. Yeah, I pressed it a bit long. <laughs> An estimate Russia arranged for our immigrants to come, migrants to come to the borders of Poland and, Sw and Belarus, uh, the borders of Poland. And here they came, huge numbers. And here they were put up at the border. What did Poland do? It tied down its army, 15,000 of them along the border to try and keep them out. Britain sent over a couple of thousand too to try and help them. The problems were huge, brethren and sisters. The problems were huge. But it didn't stop there. Yes, it weakened the Poles. Their army couldn't easily be used to defend themselves if it wanted to, if it's out there. But also, into the area east of that area, 
Russia does a manoeuvre every couple of years. The largest manoeuvre made in 40 years was done last year and they brought troops in there. They brought 200,000 troops there and they're there still. Oh, you talk about Ukraine having 100,000 on its border. There are 200,000 in these areas along here. Much of them housed in Belarus and Kaliningrad, which is a little Russian province between Poland and also the area of, what is it, Latvia. And so you can see, brethren and sisters, things are indeed scary. They're there still. Think of that. Don't forget it. We'll come back to that in a minute. But Russia showed its activity and its capacity. The leader of Kazakhstan, the leader up there, had a whole lot of protests because the fuel price went too high. That country provides a lot of fuel. It's got plenty of it. But it went too high. <clears throat> and the result, the protests even began to build, burn one of the buildings to try and say to the country, stop being brutal in what you're doing to us. And what did the Prime Minister do? He sacked his parliament and then sent a word to Moscow and Moscow sent its troops in. Boom. Here they are, some of them. It's pictures of planes arriving and troops coming off. And they came into where the protests were and some of them were shot dead by the Russians. Cruel. And then they went home. But it was showing very clearly that Putin seized on the crisis to assert control. And he's got it and those people know it. In a flash, he can be back again. Don't rebel from us. But he hasn't used just that. Here's another thing he's using, brethren and sisters, he's using oil. Gazprom, one of their big companies, cuts daily gas transit via Ukraine to a two-year level. So as this crisis is going on, the amount of oil going through and gas going through Ukraine is dropping dramatically. Here's the pipelines. And that goes into not just Ukraine, brethren and sisters, to Germany, France, all these countries get much of their oil from Russia and their gas from Russia. But he's waiting till it gets really cold. And that's right now. That took place early in the peace where he began to cut it back, but he's continued to cut it back. And now, here's a major pipeline called the Yamel pipeline. There it is there. And he's totally cut that one. Totally. And the Germans, who are at least a little bit of kind, you know, they have been backflowing natural gas to poor Poland in the freezing weather. Germany hasn't enough. Hasn't enough. But in its kindness, it's backflowing some to Poland so they don't freeze in the winter that's happening right now. But brethren and sisters... Surely there's going to be plenty going to Germany. After all, Germany's got this Nordic pipeline and this Yamal pipeline. Well, that's cut. And these pipelines coming in through Ukraine, which are being reduced. And now they've built another pipeline, finished October the 1st, but they won't use it. What's the message? What's the message? 
Russia could cut totally the pipeline of gas through Ukraine to Europe and then invade. Then invade Europe, Ukraine and Europe. But now the prices of the natural gas has risen. Just think about it. One article said it had gone even higher than 600%. One said 800% for a little while was the price of gas in Europe. People are paying $1,000 a month sometimes to keep their houses warm and fuel their fires. And you see, this is happening at the crisis. And so if they move in Ukraine, this area is going to freeze, utterly freeze. And so in Germany, there's been a new election took place this year. Mrs Merkel, well, she stood down. Her deputy, they thought he might come into power, but he didn't. This is the man that did, Olaf Schulz. And there's an alliance formed between those three. There they are. But listen to Mr Olaf Schulz, the new leader. He calls for a new policy towards Eastern Europe and Russia. And we'll have a look at that policy in a minute. And the result is this man, even him, appears to have a dangerously attitude towards Russia. And they claim in Germany 50% of the, had said that they want closer ties with Russia. Are they thinking about the gas? I'm not sure. But that's what those articles were saying. So Germany now is acting. Germany probably remembers the Second World War. You go out and plough on the fields in Germany and you might dig up a body here and a body there still today from the Second World War. Germany continues to block arms exports to Ukraine due to a new foreign peace policy. They are one of the largest exporters of arms in the world, producer of arms in the world, but they won't give them to Ukraine. They won't give them to Ukraine. It's a joke, says the Ukrainians. Germany offered, they said, please give us some weapons. Oh, they said, oh, then fuddled around. And they said, well, can you give us some helmets? Yes. How many do you want? 10,000. So they sent them 5,000. 5,000. And other countries who are provided weapons by Germany in Europe are not allowed to use those weapons to help Ukraine. Germany insists on it. The idea that Germany delivers weapons that could then be used to kill Russians is very difficult to stomach for many Germans. They're afraid. So things are changing. But you know, that gas from Europe, some of it comes from Norway and goes into Britain. And so also with its oil. Britain's got plenty of oil. It gets it in by sea. But this year, huh, 5,500 petrol stations closed down for lack of petrol. 5,500 closed down for lack of petrol. There wasn't a lack of petrol. They just couldn't get it from the ports to the Bowsers. Why? Because the normal drivers are European and they weren't coming. So what did Britain have to do? They said, well, where's some spare drivers? And they went to the army. And out of the army, they got a 1,000 drivers to run their trucks and open the petrol stations up. But that didn't solve all the problems because then they had the problem of how to get food to the supermarkets. They were drivers from Europe. 
Oh, so the army helped there. Then they had an even bigger crisis. I'm sure you'll appreciate this. They couldn't get Christmas presents to the supermarkets. So the end result, the army provided 100,000 truck drivers. The army was being incapacitated somewhat, brethren and sisters, because of that, and it's still there. And now, look at this graph. Over in America, they used to get oil from shale oil. The price dropped during coronavirus, so they stopped getting the dirty shale oil. oil. So they got it from the Middle East, and that was fine for a while, but then along came one company, country and said, we can provide a lot cheaper. The company was Russia. And the western seaboard of USA, the western seaboard, is getting its fuel from Russia. See what it's saying here? Here we are, Russia. Russia, they were getting mainly their own oil, then from Canada, and then Russia. You think if a fright crisis comes, Russia switches it off. So the situation is critical. But now, brethren and sisters, look at Ukraine. Ukraine is about this area here. But here is the ancient Kievan Rush, or Rush, which was ruled over by Vladimir. Vladimir. The rulers of Kievan Rush, Vladimir. Extremely warlike ruler. Brought the Christianity and the Grecian Roman civilization to Russia. There he is. And Vladimir. Putin, I think, sees himself as the same. And he wants Rosh. But he wants more than that. So he sent a letter. Now, it's going back a bit, six months ago, to all the leaders of Europe. He said, change sides. Change sides. I want a partnership with you all, fellas. Uh, let's be nice and friendly. Russia supports the idea of reviving a full fledged partnership with Europe. Look, the only way we can have peace and things go nicely is a joint effort. Go dig in your gardens. You'll find dead bodies or bones from the Second World War. Remember that. Join us. And so here we are. Russia on the brink of invasion of Ukraine. That's what he's threatening. And here, coming storm. Russian invasion of Ukraine is inevitable and imminent, says the papers, and warns the MPs as Kiev blames Putin for a cyber attack mid World War III fears. So they're hacking into Ukraine and parts of Europe. But he's not only doing that, look what else he's doing. Cyber trains full of Russian army things. Did I go two? Yeah, no, that's right. Sometimes I press a little bit long and I think I've gone two. All right, so what has he done just a little while ago, January the 11th? Just watch this. He brought train loads from eastern Russia, 7,000 kilometres to just the borders of Ukraine. 12 trains per, in one day, absolutely loaded with weapons. Massive amounts are being brought there. The papers say there's 100,000 there, troops. 
Then when they carefully write it, write it out, they say there's 175,000 troops there. But Russia is also doing other things. It's threatening USA. Vladimir's big bluff, Putin warns to scare USA with the threat of setting up military bases in Cuba again. Remember, back, back in the, I think it was the sixth, uh, 1960s, they sent missiles, nuclear missiles, to Cuba. And he's saying he's doing the same again. Early in the piece he said, I won't send nukes, and then there's talk of doing it. So you can see threat is growing everywhere. And now nukes are being sent to Belarus. Here's Ukraine, Belarus. Fears nukes bound for Belarus, says the Australian newspaper. May indicate Belarus plans to allow both Russian conventional and nuclear forces to be stationed on its territory. May indicate Russian plans to do that, not Belarusian ones. Russian plans that will present a challenge to Europe's security. So here they are just north of Belarus, along with those 200,000 troops before that went into Belarus in the Zapad manoeuvre, along with the 175,000 troops up here on the northern side of, of Ukraine. Things are looking devastating. So you're the Prime Minister of Ukraine. What are you going to do? Ukraine's Prime Minister, Zelensky, seeks Biden's support on NATO. He flew across. There he is talking to Biden. What does Biden say? President Biden assured Ukraine leader that the US opposes Russian aggression, but he showed no sign of moving on request to open NATO to the Eastern European countries or to give too much help to them. Oh, yes, there's a little bit of help going through, but not much at all. Not much at all. So the situation looking very, very scary. Now, let's look at Germany. Germany has betrayed Ukraine, says the trumpet. It has blocked Ukraine from buying weapons. That's their type of weapons from Germany, from any of their European countries that own, have German weapons. When the Biden administration invited the German Chancellor to the White House to talk about this ex explosive situation, the German Prime Minister said, I'm a bit busy to come. Sorry, I can't come. Not interested in chatting to you. He knew what they were going to talk about and he was going to say, no, no. Ukraines have been left feeling like nobody will protect them. They could soon surrender to Russia. And Ukraine's Deputy Prime Minister says, it's not just Ukraine that's at stake. Now listen to this. If Ukraine falls, Europe fails too. We're under no illusion. No foreign soldier will fight for Ukraine against Russia. So you can see, brethren and sisters, the writings on the wall. Here it is. Gog of the land of Magog, which is Central Europe, isn't it? Germany in the Central Europe. The Prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. We can see that alliance forming, brethren and sisters. They don't look like they're going to do very much to defend Ukraine and themselves. They don't want the loss of life. So 
prepared and prepares to invade in the new year. That's this year. That's why I said now. As Russia masses 175,000 troops on the border with Ukraine and potential evasion early 2022. And the expectation is that it'll happen soon for several reasons. One of which is that they're expecting to happen when Putin goes to the Olympic Games. Back in 2000, I think it was eight, um, 2000, was it 18? He moved into Crimea when he went, the Russians moved into Crimea, Georgia, when he went to the Olympic Games. As well as that, they claim that now is the time to move because all the rivers are frozen. You don't need bridges. Even the tanks can get over for a couple more weeks. As well as that, American officers believe Moscow has drawn up plans for a military offensive on several fronts as the Kremlin continues to move troops to the borders of all of Eastern Europe. The crisis has renewed fears that the standoff over Ukraine could spill into an invasion and war on European soil too, as well as Ukraine. Remember, 200,000 troops up on the borders of Belarus facing Poland, Latvia, Lithuania and such like. Brethren and sisters, we're about to see this. The feet come together. The ten toes. How long it takes, I don't know. But German, Europe is not keen to fight the massive force of Russia. So here's NATO today. Remember, the Iron Curtain came down and these countries, most of these countries in yellow, which were under Russian control before, were, fell to, and gained independence. Putin wants it to come back under its control and I believe also to control the rest. Maybe this is the clay and this is the iron. But brethren and sisters, he wants the ten toes of Europe, the whole of Europe, under his control. So Moscow warns Sweden and Finland against joining NATO amid rising tensions. So the situation is changing every minute. Here's what it was before. There was, there's what it is today. And he, I think, wants that back again. The former Russian Eastern Bloc, he wants total control. And so, the Russians have called, um, the Russian ambassador USA said the 27 ambassadors were to leave Russia, leave USA by January the 30th, they have. And now the USA said to Russia, to their ambassadors up there, leave by January the 31st. That's a real sign, isn't it? They think something really serious is going to come. A real clash between those two powers. So things are looking very scary. And so the State Department tells families of USA diplo diplomats in Ukraine to leave. What did Australia say? Australia urged... Here we are, only a few days ago. Any Australians in Ukraine, get out, get out. They probably should have said all of Europe. And Israel thinks the same. Israel said, preparing for potential need to evacuate Ukrainian Jews in case of war. And here they're coming back. They've sent planes up already. 
And here you can see them coming off the plains in Israel. Now, pulling them out, they can see what the writing's saying. But, brethren and sisters, it's not going to just be that. Here, Russia sent out some huge, I think it's 140 ships. And they're having naval manoeuvres in the Pacific Ocean, the Indian Ocean, and off the coast of Britain, down here. They've said, early part of February, don't sail through because we're going to fire missiles into that area and we've got our ships there. In other words, if they want to, they could cut off all the ships in a blink going into the Mediterranean. If they were trying to send help to anywhere in Europe through that means. But we said, didn't we, China is going to challenge them. It says that all nations come down to war and I dare say China's going to be involved in it somehow. But here's what the papers are saying. Here's America, <laughs> trembling between the two powers who are much mightier, it would seem, at the moment. And here's Biden. The world shivers in the dark as Biden's light on the hill fades. The president has got mental decline. They can see it. He might have to be replaced. And he's taking a weak stance on Ukraine. No doubt he's remembering what happened in times gone by. The Vietnamese War, the Ukrainian War. Um, and indeed, brethren, this is what was the last one I was going to think about, but it doesn't matter. War after war where they've lost. Oh, Afghanistan, of course, where they're pulled out. But now, here's China. Here's the front page of The Economist. It says there... Here, I'll put that in big writing at the top. The most dangerous place on the world, on the earth. There it is, just off the coast of China. And only this week, early this week, or it might have been late last week, 39 planes were noted, fighters and bombers flying over Taiwan in one day. Day after day after day, the fighters and the bombers are flying, terrifying Taiwan. Mr Abbott went up there and said, my message to Taiwan is get ready to fight. We have to assume that China is preparing to take Taiwan. And my expectation, brethren and sisters, and I may be proven wrong, that Russia will move on Taiwan at the time Russia... Sorry, China will move on, the ta on Taiwan, possibly just before Russia moves on Ukraine and Europe. So America is tied down. America said repeatedly, we will defend you. We will defend you. They pulled out of Afghanistan primarily to get their troops into this area. So the situation's looking very frightening. Russia is empire building while Australia sleeps. Yeah, they're getting ready. And Russia is preparing to move. And he's aligned very much with this man. I think the two may well move together. But, you know, they're worried about this chap too. <laughs> Just this month, Kim starts the year with a bang. Yes, four to be precise. He fired huge missiles off. And then only a few days ago, he sent a, the largest he's ever sent off, capable of travelling more than 1,600 kilometres. And they think it could be an ICBM, that is one that can go into orbit, and therefore, if it wished to, could fall in over America. Terrible what's happening. Brethren and sisters, 
we also expect changes to happen with the Pope. Now, I've only got a little bit here. But we expect her to be the mother of harlots, brethren and sisters. Yes, rich through alliance with other countries. Pope Francis urges the Iraqi Muslims and Christians to unite with him in peace. Be part of my mother empire, my religious empire. <laughs> he went out to Ur, and that's where he proposed that idea. I thought that was an interesting name. <laughs> so that's where he began his proposition that they should join up with the Muslims. He then aligned with the Russian Catholics to a goal of common union. Further to that, he then went to the Protestants and he said, why don't you Protestants all join me? All of you who believe in the Trinity, join me. We are, after all, one faith, one triune God. That's what we follow after. And brethren and sisters, here only a few days ago, he shows that he is indeed the Sodom somewhat of today. He's advocating gay practices. Are we surprised? Surely not. But that's what he's done. And brethren and sisters, our last subject, Turkey. Turkey weakens and is conquered or allies with Russia. Brother Thomas thought, first of all, that this would all happen before Christ came. But then in Eureka he said, no, I think it'll be after. The great river Euphrates must be dried up. That's Turkey. The way of the kings of the east must be prepared. The house of Tagama, just Turkey and a little north of there, must be allied with Russia. Turkey's in a real trouble. It's part of NATO. It's got the second largest army in NATO. But this year, look at the date, only a few months ago, he flew up and saw Putin. Turkey-Russian relations stood out in political, military and economic and commercial areas, said Ergen. We're united somewhat. And what did he do? Well, it said he purchased Russian S-400 missiles. They were landed on, him, uh, on the ground immediately after he came back. Planes came in from Russia, huge planes, huge planes, and they're loading semi-trailer loads of missiles made in Russia. And the NATO was furious. They said they probably got on board a little device where Russia can go click and switch them off. And I bet that's true. So they don't get hit. So NATO was furious. And so Erdogan said this, I'm sending home all the NATO ambassadors. I'm sending him home from USA, for, came from USA, Canada, France, Finland, Denmark, Germany, Netherlands. I'll send them all by. He didn't do it, but that's what he threatened to do. So NATO shut up. But now, further than that, Turkey is in financial chaos, utter chaos. Turkey's inflation rate nearly nears 200-year high as the lira crisis continues. Inflation, destabilising the economy. This year it reached the largest ever. 36% was the, it had achieved by January. Staggering. 
Staggering. The highest inflation rate since 2002. And the result is misery on the streets because of the prices and the lack of money. Huge difficulties in Turkey. Turkey is weakening. Weakening. And allying, it would seem, with Russia. You can see the writing on the wall. So, brethren and sisters, what are we to do? What are we to do? The days are indeed short. Remember when we, where we started? Brother Thomas said in that introduction, the author's preface to Elpis Israel, he said these words, brethren and sisters, the future movements of Russia are notable signs of the times, predicted in the scriptures as we can see. When Russia makes its grand move and appears to be ready to do so at any minute for the building up of its image empire, then let the reader, that's us, know that the end of all things as at present constituted his hand. Oh yes, written 172 years ago. But brethren and sisters, how long have we got? We don't know, but it could well be only hours, days or months. We hope that's true. We hope that's true. Well, brethren and sisters, what can we do in the meantime? Remember, lastly, what Christ said. He gave the Olivet prophecy then in the end in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 25. He said, brethren and sisters, accumulate oil, use your talents in the truth, and manifest love one toward another. Because your love to others, I will see as love to me. Do that, brethren and sisters, because I look forward to seeing you in the kingdom. That was his spirit. Well, the days are short. It's only around the corner, brethren and sisters, and the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. So let it be that each and every one of us do that which is right. Get that oil manifested in those talents that we have and show a love and care for everyone else and build ourselves up because the days are super short. Well, we're living in most dramatic times. Israel and the Middle East is particularly what we want to look at tonight. But first of all, look at what we are just about to. Christ's last appeal to us, brethren and sisters, was those words in Revelation chapter 16. And what he says to us is that the great day of the battle of God Almighty is about to take place. But at that time, here's his final appeal to us. He says... Watch and keep your garments. That's what we need to be doing, my dear brethren and sisters, watching and keeping our garments, lest we walk naked in this very difficult time in which we live. Now, watching, we dealt a bit about that last time. It means, Bullinger has it, to keep awake. Strong's has to be vigilant. That means look at the signs of the times. Allow them to stir you up. And help you to be more focused in the truth. But then he goes on to say, keep your garments. And what is that, brethren and sisters? Well, it's the first of all to keep separate from the world, 
James says, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. There's the negative. Here's the positive. Ephesians says, Take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil, and stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and above all, taking the shield of faith, and praying always. That's what we should be doing now, so that indeed we keep our spiritual garments clean and ready, so that we might find a place together in the kingdom. But now I want to talk just very briefly about Europe. Why? Because a week's gone by and much has happened in just one week. Here is the leader of Iran, Ukraine. There he is, Kalinsky, and he is very, very worried about what's going on. But what he is saying, he says this, a dem dem <laughs> diplomatic solution is more likely. He's under stress. He can see the soldiers building up on the wall, on the borders of Ukraine. Now they say about 150,000. They're all somewhat terrified. They're saying, look, if they cross into Ukraine, the death rate is going to be this for civilians and for soldiers. And so he's saying, we've got to work something out. Let's make a diplomatic solution. You know... Putin is putting huge psychological pressure on us. And that's appearing to be what might happen now. But look at this article. It came yesterday at The Economist. Putin targets Germany. Huh? NATO's weakest link. What? As the world wonders if Vladimir will invade Ukraine... The battle for the West is already underway. How? Well, he says, you look at what's happening. Without firing a shot, Putin has attacked the transatlantic alliance, you know, the NATO group or the alliance. At its weakest link, says the economist, Germany. Would you ever think that? Well, all confidence in Germany has deteriorated by last month. That Britain, for instance... Flying weapons into Ukraine dared not fly them over Germany. For fear of overflight, denial circumvented the German airspace to fly defensive weapons to Ukraine. What's Germany? Well, brethren and sisters, it's a territory of Magog. Gog of the land of Magog. We expect Germany to ally itself with Russia, don't we? And things are beginning to take place. While Mrs Merkel was there, it didn't look likely. But with this new leader, as I pointed out last time, he's showing a bias towards Russia. He's finding it showing a bias towards Russia. Well, now, going to Russia at the moment is Mr Macron. He's been speaking to Putin for about five or six hours. What about? And now, a little later on, Choco, the leader of Germany, is to fly up there. And it looks like they're going to negotiate some sort of deal where Russia is going to be placated and probably get what it wants. Things are moving quite dramatically. Well, we won't go any further on that at this stage because that was our talk last time. But now, 
All Israel is to dwell confidently. We know that, don't we? You know what Ezekiel 38 says? At least three times it says they will dwell safely or confidently. And also on the mountains of Israel, the whole of that land to the west of Jordan, they're going to be in control of. So what's going on? We're going historically back through this year, first of all, like we have been doing all the time. Start of the year, vaccination took place. And guess who's leading the world? Why, Israel leads the world in vaccination. They are well ahead of others, vaccinating everybody. Look, they vaccinated 224,000 in a day. In a day. So they weren't mucking around. They operated quickly. And the result was this. As a result, an increasing layer of Jews wished to immigrate to Israel. Apparently, immigration, the desire to immigrate, rose 30% and probably was fulfilled. So there were Jews coming from all over the land. Come to Israel, we'll be safer there. But then, as the year rolled by, they went into war with Gaza. They went into war with that little strip of Gaza. Israel lost 12 Jews and the Gaza Strip lost 232. Locked due to missiles that fired up and Israel blew them up before they got out of Gaza territory and they crashed on the land. But Israel was victorious. It was all over in one week and four days. They accomplished their purpose. They dwelt confidently. But next door to them was Russian troops. And up in Moscow, this chappie said, don't you go any further with the Gaza Strip. If not, we will declare war on Israel. And he said that twice, publicly, twice. Russia warns Israel it won't tolerate any more civilian casualties in the Gaza conflict. Think of that. So they are under threat. But after that, an election took place. Netanyahu couldn't get together the numbers. And they needed eight parties. They're the faces of the leaders of the eight parties to form the new party, the new coalition that ruled Israel. And only with one or two percent majority. But look what this man said, Mr Bennett, their Prime Minister. He said... If you want to, say, want to say that our land does not belong to us, I suggest you read the Bible first. So he was saying to everybody, the Bible supports our presence in the Middle East. He is somewhat religious. But now we know these words well. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 21 to 22, there are six steps to a king, Christ's return. Six steps, and the sixth, one king shall be king to them all, and then come back one. And one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. Israel's got to control the mountains of Israel. What's that? That's the West Bank Territory. Well, what's happening there? Well, remember what Mr. Bennett says? That's ours. The Bible says so. And they have been acting. Look what he said. Very early in the piece, we're going to build another 1,300 new West Bank settlements. And already, there's nearly half a million Jews in the West Bank. Think of it. They're taking control of it bit by bit. 
they're taking over. Jews, the property prices here is a third of what it is in the rest of Israel. So a lot of Jews are buying properties here and holiday houses there in the West Bank. So you see it's gradually being taken over because property prices are very cheap there relative to the rest of Israel. But now, the Arabs, they experience prejudice, quite a lot of prejudice against them. Here's the headline, no amnesty for false claims of Israel's apartheid. Some people are saying Israel's executing an apartheid action towards those poor Palestinians. Oh, look at what they're doing, how mean they are towards them. But look what the Australian wrote, okay? Amnesty International latest report associated Israel with apartheid. Yeah? 41% of Haifa's university students are Arab Israelis. They are Arabs who live in Israel and have Israeli citizenship. Point one. Point two. Harvard from University from America came over and went right around the West Bank asking everybody, would you prefer to be under the Arab control or under Israel's control? 77% said they would prefer to live in Israel. So no barrier between us, all Israel. We'd prefer that. And a proof of that is, well, in Israel, there's over 400 mosques. Who bulldozed them? Nobody. Not the Jews. They've left them. The Arabs can use them. And here's one mosque that we know. So they are showing an attitude towards the Arabs which is quite friendly. If only they would accept it. But this year is a significant year. Thousands around the world mark the 77th anniversary of the Holocaust Day. It's an interesting year that we're living in, brethren and sisters. And so here we are looking at the uh, Auschwitz over in Poland. And here's poor... What's her name? Can't think of a name for a minute. Anna. Yeah. But anyhow, we remember that, brethren and sisters, the terrible things. Here we are, 77 years. Is that significant? Well, we don't know. But it may be. But now, brethren and sisters, I want to go on to another point about Israel. In Ezekiel 38, it repeatedly says that when Russia comes down, when it makes that inevitable invasion, it comes down for spoil, 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 or plunder, plunder. Plunder. Spoil means booty. Plunder means booty or prey. They're coming down to gain something. What are they going to get if they get little Israel? Well, here's a headline that came up only a few months ago. Look what it's saying. How Israel's shekel became the strongest currency in the world. Huh? Well, it was the growth that took place just that last tail end of last year. Look. Grew like that. It, it was a top performing currency. Early 2020, it was up 10%. Last year, further than that. And there we can see the growth of the currency. What does that tell us? Israel is economically going very, very well indeed. She is prospering. So if Russia comes down, it's going to be things that she can gain. But look at this further. Israel's foreign exchange reserves. They're investing money all over the place. And look at it. Boom. 
They're growing in, in money external to Israel. They are rich, relatively speaking. And they've only been going, well, what is it, 70-odd years? Haven't been going for long. And part of the reason is this. The Abraham Alliance. Here's some of those countries that aligned with Israel through Trump's efforts. And here's what happened to the trade with Israel. Look, and this is what it became. I tallied the figures up there. So 293 billion million went to 981 million. Just to show you a little bit of an idea, earlier in the piece, it went up by three times in one year. It's really prospering. And now, look at the Jews. Israel's population has increased nine times since 1938. Israel's people are much happier than those in Europe. It has the highest number of scientific publications per capita of the world. It has the largest number of chess master players. You're not surprised. They're brainy. And the academics produce more scientific papers. They've got more degrees per head of population. The largest number of startup companies. Bright, clever people, clever industries. The highest percentage of home computers per capita in the world. The largest immigrant absorbing model on the earth. Of course it has. It's prospering like mad. And it's doing this. It's preparing to confront the Arab world. Just this year, last year, Israel said, we are producing a special device to defend our borders. They use it briefly in the, the Gaza war. Missiles came in from Lebanon and they were shot down before they got to, to Israel. They plunged into Lebanon and they were shot down by lasers. These lasers, look at the strength of them. In a fraction of a second, they can zap. And if missiles are coming in, this one, this one, this one, they don't totally burn it out. All they do is burn out the trigger and the guidance network. So it just plunges into the ground. Well, those coming in from Lebanon, some of them plunged into the sea. And they don't hit Israel or blow up in Israel. So amazing, brethren and sisters. Whoever thought of that? They say it's the most powerful weapon, laser weapon ever, and probably hugely capable. Now, it's not complete yet. It's supposed to be about a month away before it's all up running properly. And it looks like Israel might be delaying working on Iran till that happens. But as well as that, they've got their own nuclear facilities. Huh. What countries were first to develop nuclear weapons? Well, of course, America was. Jews in America did it. They got on the telephone in Yiddish and spoke to the Jews in Israel, and Israel put its new, first nuclear reactor up in 1958. And now, here it is, Demona. Much of it is now being built underground. But there's the Demona nuclear reactor. Quite funny, we went there one time when we were touring past, and our bus driver said, that's our knitting factory. And we laughed. And he said, no, I'm not allowed to tell you anymore. We said, it's your nuclear thing. No, no, I can't tell you that. That's, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> but anyhow, Israel has acted on nuclear sites. 1981, it hit Iraq. The nuclear reactor that was being built over there, it just blew it up. There's the flight pattern. 
came in remarkably and destroyed it before it even went fissionable. And again, they hit up in the area of Syria. So the implication is clear, isn't it, what's going to happen to Iran if they keep going the way they're going. So there, in 2007, they attacked that nuclear reactor up there. There it was before, there it was after they hit it. Amazing. But now we want to look at Russia, Iran and Afghanistan. Not so much Russia, but Russia's influence in the area. That's why I put that in lighter print. All right? So what do we expect? Well, we know from Ezekiel 38 very clearly that the chief, that's the Hebrew word, Rosh, Prince of Meshach and Tubal, from the uttermost parts of the earth, will ally itself with Persia. Later on, Ethiopia and Libya, we'll look at that later. So they're going to ally themselves with that. And it's quite amazing. Exactly as predicted in the scriptures, on the exact year they were expecting it, the year was written up in the testimony magazine. They were expecting Russia to move. They thought on Europe. But that year, 2015, they moved in. Sorry about that. They moved in to the northern part of Syria, Lateka. And now they've built up the port. Look, that was a tiny port. Look at it now. That's the Russian port up there. And now they're very much on the borders of Israel. There's Israel's border. They've got a big military base, 85 kilometres from the border of Israel. And not only that, they're now, just this year, or actually 2022, they're flying aircraft down along the Golan Heights. Syria and Russia flying aircraft along the edge of the Golan Heights. Clear implication. Just be careful what you do. I, Russia, could be involved. But not only that, now they're moving into the area to the north again. There's been a big naval manoeuvre by Russia. I couldn't tell you this last time, but that's indeed the case now. Look at the date. And they've been jetting ships down from Sweden, some of their ports up near Sweden, north of Sweden, and bringing them down into the Mediterranean. And here they are, they're landing ships that can carry huge numbers of troops and bring them up onto the coast and they can get off. Nobody knows what they're there for, except possibly they're going to take some of the Syrian troops to Ukraine or something of that nature. But anyhow, they brought them down here, along with many other ships. More on that in a minute. But now, seeing we're still using, looking at history, there's Daniel's image. There's the Persian Empire. There's the, Gogian, uh, the Grecian Empire. The silver and the brass. And this year, what happened? Afghanistan. It wasn't part or allied to Russia at that time, earlier in the year. But now, oh yes, the leaders there now, the Taliban, as soon as they got to power, some of their key men got on a plane and flew up to Moscow. The Taliban delegation visit to Moscow was a fresh signal of Russia's interest in involving itself more deeply in the regional security issues related to Afghanistan. So again, look at that image. How correct it is. Who knew that? We did. It's amazing what we're seeing. 
But now come more directly back to Persia or Iran. A new leader came into Iran. The previous man stood down and willingly he allowed this man to take over. He's brutal. He's cruel. They call him the butcher of Tehran. Here's a little example. He's arranged for set hundreds of Iranians to be hung who don't agree with what he wants. So he is a crane and a few of the people he hung. He's very, very brutal. So they call him the butcher of Iran. He's taken over Iran, so you can expect Iran to go on a very belligerent path. That's what you'd expect. And he is determined to knock out Israel. That's what he claims, along with many of the Iranians today. One of the things that he built was this. Here's the Persian Gulf, all right? Out of here come a quarter of the world's oil. A little more on that in a second. But coming to power, he's built here, and it may have actually started a little earlier, but I cannot be sure. He's built there where they load their oil onto ships and export it to China and other countries like that. Iran is a major exporter, as we know, 90% of the oil is loaded there, but not anymore. They've built a 1,000-kilometre pipeline. It's cost them nearly a billion. I think it was 1.1 billion. And this is what they've done, built a pipeline there. Why? Well, they don't have to use the Straits of Amoz. They don't need to use the Persian Gulf. The implication is that they might try to close the Persian Gulf, and then they can get their oil out too. Now, look at the date. It's going back a bit. But Iran and Russia and China say they will hold a joint naval drill in the Persian Gulf. They said they'll do one at the end of the year, and they have. More on that in a second. But think about it. Think about it, brethren and sisters. The Straits of Amuz, which is very narrow area here, very narrow area there, 40 ships pass through every day on average. 20 going in, 20 going out, mostly oil tankers. Huge quantities of the world's oil passes through that area there. The world's most important oil transit choke point. Staggering. You think of it. Huge amounts go through. Now... They can close that gulf off, stop that oil going out, and they can get theirs out. Think about it. But now, the end of the year came. China, Iran, military drill. Three-day joint military exercise held at the Gulf of Amman. There it was. In that area, here's some of the ships. 11 Iranian vessels, 3 Russian vessels, 2 Chinese vessels and so on came into that area just to show that they could close that gulf off with a blink. Now that's critical. Go back two and a half years, brethren and sisters, and there was a conflict in the gulf. You may remember it. When we were worried by it, price of petrol went up here and now government said, we've only got four weeks store here in Australia. 
We haven't got more than that. And we haven't done anything more about it since then. Oh, we did approach the Americans to say, could they provide it if we have a, short, a problem in the days of Trump? But that hasn't been renewed in Biden's day. And so we import most of our oil through that Persian Gulf. And it comes to oil, to, oil refineries in Singapore and such like, then to Australia. We do not hold huge reserves. Four weeks and we won't be able to drive if the Persian Gulf closes. So you can see it's a gun to the hand head of Australia, New Zealand, and possibly to some degree, Britain. So indeed, another manoeuvre took place. This time, look, Israel, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, USA, they held a major manoeuvre in the Red Sea. Why? Why in the Red Sea? To counter Iran's aggression. They're saying, you don't touch us. Look, here we'll do a big manoeuvre, not right off the coast of Iran, but if we want to, we can close the Red Sea and we can close the Persian Gulf or we can have a conflict with you. But halfway through that manoeuvre, suddenly... Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, abandoned it and sailed their trips home. Sailed their troops, their ships back up here because of some problem the Iranians threatened them with. The whole point of the UN-led naval drill was therefore proven invalid. The whole Israeli strategic goal of distancing from Iran from the southern outlet to the sea had been turned on its head like that. Why, I don't fully know. Papers didn't say. But it just suddenly broke up. And the Arab ships sailed home. Well, since then, what's going on? Look at the date, brethren and sisters. This year. Rasi, that's this new leader, here he is, of Iran, paid a two-day visit to Russia, up and back where he met with Putin's president, with Putin. The trip resulted in great achievements for the Islamic Republic, they say. The Iranian ambassador to Russia has said that possible coalition, of course it is, Iran, Russia and China. They've been doing naval manoeuvres. Now it's talking militarily. But they've been going over and having talks over in Vienna, haven't they? And they've been talking to the Europeans about having peace in regard to the nuclear weapons. And they've had, oh, only a few talks. Eight! Eight! The eighth round of negotiation. Look at it, it's here now. And they're achieving nothing. Talks aimed at reviving the collapsed nuclear deal with Iran are now urgent, said negotiators from Britain, France and Germany. They're getting nowhere with them. So what's going to happen? And that lunatic, the butcher of Iran's in charge of Iran. Sometime before that, Mr Bennett went over to the United Nations five months ago and he spoke to them very, very clearly and firmly. It's on the web. You can see it if you wanted to. And what did he tell them? He said, Iran has crossed the red lines. That's five months ago. On nuclear weapons, said Israel. Israel said, he said this, Israel's got two terrible options. Live 
with a nuclear Iran or bomb it. He made it very clear to everybody, we will not stand still. So there's the situation. And over in Iran, Israel has only months to destroy Iran's nuclear facilities, says the minister. Israel will be confronted for the first time by a fanatical country full of hate and armed with weapons of mass destruction. All about June, they said there's only five, about four months, ten weeks, they said, and they should be, have enough fissionable material to build a bomb. They've got to know, know how to put it together. That may be a problem. But some of the papers said they think Iran will go till it's got enough for at least two bombs and put it separately in case somebody attacks it. I don't know who would. <laughs> I think we do. So Israeli researchers, Iran's nuclear breakout could be within a space of weeks. Look at its date. Look at its date, brethren and sisters. We don't know what's going to happen. We know God's in charge. And we know that what's going to happen is going to be in accordance with God's purposes. Now, Iran has been spending a lot of time building weapons. They have no less than 10 listed sites where the nuclear weapons are being prepared, where the fissionable material is being developed. It's growing all the time. Here's some of those bases, as we can see there. And they have the missiles for it, huge missiles. Some of them can be ICBM, that is, they can put them into orbit. They could go all around the world, including America and possibly even Australia. Horrifying. But primarily, this is their aim. Primarily, this is their aim. To attack Israel. Well, we know what's going to happen in the long run. God is going to be in charge of things. So how it's all going to outwork, we don't know. But things are looking very frightening at this stage. What could happen is one of two things. One of three things. Israel could send missiles in, blow up their bases. And they reckon they've got the means of doing it. I dare say they have, knowing Israel. Then alternatively, they're spent... 1.5 billion shekels to get special bombs in from America. The bunker buster bombs. It's a name used in the Second World War. It's a bomb that goes into the ground, creates an earthquake. These are dropped with missiles on the back, so they accelerate quickly and punch into the ground and then blow up later and could cause like an earthquake under these nuclear facilities. So what are they going to do? They've got to fly them in. Well, they've got to refuel the planes partway there or on the way back. But during the war about mm, over a year ago, between Azerbaijan and Armenia up here, Israel supported Azerbaijan, sent some weapons up there. And Azerbaijan came back and said, thank you very much, Israel, for helping us. Is there anything we can do? Israel said, yes. Can we have two of your airports? Two of those airports are controlled by Israel. So what's being expected is possibly this. Israel could fly there, refuel their planes and bomb Iran. Bomb Iran. Consequently to that, strangely enough, Iran attacked Azerbaijan earlier this year because of the fear 
that those airports would be used. It was a statement to them, don't keep helping Israel. Israel is content. They have been helped. But brethren and sisters, what's going to happen in this area? Further than that, the third possibility is Bennett asked the Hamas, oh, sorry, the Mossad, the Secret Service, and they said, yeah, we can fix them. Now, whatever they mean, I don't know, but that's on, you can view it on the web where they say that they can fix Iran. Well, brethren and sisters, something's going to happen in this area, particularly ultimately in the Persian Gulf. Brother Thomas said this, in, a, in Opus Israel, Exposition of Daniel, Eureka, Herald, he said the scriptures demands that Britain, and I believe he means the young lions, America and such like, will take maritime possession of the Gulf of Persia, the Persian Gulf up here, and as well as that, the Red Sea, to Suez. And he based that on Isaiah 18. Because he couldn't easily understand how it all worked, he wrote very little on it in each of them, except if you really want a detailed explanation, it's Old Herald, he wrote at least 10 pages on it in quite detail as to why he thinks that. Well, brethren and sisters, now let's bring our attention to the Gulf states. They will ally with the West and with Israel. We know that Sheba and Dedan, the Sunni Arabs, will align with Tarshish. Daniel says Edom, Ammon and Moab, that's Jordan, will ally with Israel. Well, we saw this before, but it's too important. When Abraham, uh, when Trump joined up with Netanyahu, he formed the Abraham Accord and those nations were going to join or had joined with Israel. And there's a map showing those that had joined in darker green and those that would join shortly in lighter green. Well, what's happened since then? Well, the US military to withdraw hundreds of troops, aircraft and anti-missile batteries from Saudi Arabia. Huh? Well, America needed the weapons after Afghanistan. They wanted it for Taiwan. That's what they said. And they pulled a lot of them out of Saudi Arabia, but they said to the Soviets, suggestion, build formal ties with Israel. You, you join up with Israel, I'll look after you. They're pretty powerful on them weaponry. Trust them. They'll look after you. Join up with them. And when Mr. Bennett came to power, he phoned up the Egyptians. I'll show you that in a minute. But immediately after that, the first place he went to, he flew across and saw King Abdul, Abdullah sorry, of Jordan. There it is. Edom, Ammon, and Moab, allied with them. They were having problems with water, and he said to them, while there, we'll give you some more water. They were looking after Jordan, but they allied somewhat with Jordan. And he also made a telephone call down to the Egyptians and allied with them. Sorry about that. Yeah. <coughs> so fascinating. Fascinating what's going on. But as well as that, the US military drill shifts the army base from Qatar to Jordan. Now, their chief base, American base, was over there in the Middle East. But that last year, this is what happened to it. I went to Jordan. Are we surprised? Of course we're not. 
Everybody else probably was, but we know Edom, Ammon, and Moab, Jordan, will be allied with the West and with Israel. And so the main base is now Jordan. Staggering. Also, when Bennett came to power, he made sure that one of his key men, Mr Gantz, Deputy Prime Minister, he joined up with Abbas and invited him to his home. And they had a great chat. The first official visit, official trip to Israel in years. Abbas and Gantz discussed security, civil matters in Gantz's home. Think of it. So here's the Palestinian leader coming and talking to the Israelis. Things are switching. And now, look at the date of this. It's only days ago. Here's the leader, the Israel's president. There he is with his wife in United Arab Emirates area. He went over to see them there, the leadership, only a few days ago. First visit to the United Arab Emirates by an Israeli leader. Staggering. They're joining up significantly. But now, in that Persian Gulf, the Red Sea, the Gulf of Oman and the Mediterranean is a huge naval manoeuvre. 60 nations under the American umbrella exercise in that area. Look at the date. February the 3rd this year. 60 navies, apparently. It'll last from January the 31st to February the 17th. It's underway right now. The event will combine 9,000 permanent personnel, 50 ships, and they're in the Persian Gulf, I underline that, the Arabian Sea, the Gulf of Oman, the Red Sea, and North Indian Ocean. There they are more to the south of Israel. But there these ships are right now. What's the sense of this? Well, part of the problem is this. Iran, Russia and China are having a joint manoeuvre already in the same area. In the area of the Black Sea, the Mediterranean, the Northern Atlantic, Pacific Ocean and Indian Ocean. All around the world, but also particularly in the Middle East. Staggering. Look at the number of ships involved in their naval manoeuvre. Right now, 140 warships and more than 60 aircraft. What's that telling us? Well, one thing we do know, that when Russia comes down, it comes down with many ships. And many ships are there already. So things are looking extremely exciting. What it means, I don't know. How long we've got, I don't know. But my goodness, it's amazing what we're seeing. Now let's come across to Libya, Ethiopia, and also the area of Egypt. Now Russia's going to get control of Ethiopia, Sudan and Ethiopia. That's the combined territory is the ancient scriptural region of Ethiopia. More on that in a minute. With, and Libya... And also, as we'll see a little later on, it's going to be involved in Egypt. So, here we can see, this year, Russia calls for deeper military ties with Libya. Here's the Russian Defence Minister up in Moscow, joining up with the Libyan Prime Minister who flew up to see them. There it is. 
So the alliance is being formed all the time, growing all the time. See, marches into North Africa. So it's controlling Libya. Amazing. Not fully yet, but certainly partially. And as well as that, what's next for the world's powers in war-torn Libya? Two countries, Turkey and Russia, but predominantly Russia. Yet nothing suggests that either Turkey's military or Russia's group will leave Libya. They're there, it looks, permanently. We would expect that from Scripture. Every bit of it. Scripture is so amazing how accurate it is. And as well as that, Israel is in, uh, Russia has allied itself to Sudan. Now take that Sudan area there. Let's put together the Hebrew or the Bible quote. Ezekiel 38 says Persia, Ethiopia and Libya. Now the word Ethiopia is the Hebrew word Cush. And if you take Cush, that's that territory. It's Sudan and Ethiopia today. All right, it bridges the two areas. And in that area, Russia has already moved. It has moved into that area. And here we can see a Russian naval base in the area more of Ethiopia. And as well as that, it's the Chinese who's allied with Russia somewhat at the moment, forming a base there to control the Red Sea if they need to. So it's staggering what we're seeing happening, brethren and sisters, before our very eyes. It's amazing. As well as that, Russia's investment in Ethiopia's energy sector. So they want to get involved in oil and natural gas. They're having amazing control of the oil and natural gas going into Europe. And now they're talking about trying to control it in Ethiopia. They're not sort of worrying about global warming and controlling the energy. They want to control this sort of energy. They know how powerful that is to control it. So, Ethiopia and Russia vow to form cemented relationships, clear alliances. Amazing what's going on, brethren and sisters, before our eyes. Exactly what we've expected. But now what about Egypt? Well... We've shown this one before, but 2019 it started. Putin came down to a big military, a big alliance, or a big group with all the leaders of Africa. They came, he came down and he promised to invest in, America, in Egypt $7 billion in that area to build up an area which he called the Suez Canal Zone. It was a big factory area, trading area and such like. And it would appear that it's along the edges of the sewers. It's hard to know, but that may be what that's formed there. And that's why the name is there. And he said, I will therefore employ 35,000 Egyptians in it. My alliance with you is firm. 2019. Okay. And now, the growing relationship between Egypt and Russia. Strategic alliance or marriage of convenience? Well, they've met repeatedly. Seven times the Egyptian Russians have come together on military grounds and trading grounds. And one thing's really interesting, Russia, is this. The largest ever natural gas field found. Now, that's not quite the way it sounds. That is in the Mediterranean. 
We've got to read it carefully. Zohar is the largest gas discovery ever made in Egypt and in the Mediterranean Sea and could become one of the world's largest natural gas finds. It was found way back in 2015. But it hasn't been totally exploited because it's quite a way off the coast, look. And they are now getting the pipes to shore. And so this huge base is being set up. Almost twice the size of the Israeli oil field or gas field. Almost twice the size. Little wonder Russia is interested in it. And now further to that, look at this. Egypt awards... Look at the date. Only days ago, eight oil and gas exploration licences. And they're getting these areas to be drilled where there are basins, where the geologist says there's oil, there's gas probably down there. And so it looks like Egypt is going to dramatically prosper if they find that there. Egypt awarded eight oil and gas exploration concessions to drill that area. And anybody agreed to do so had to spend $250 million per licence. And people took it up because it looked like gold, so to speak. It's going to be successful, it would seem. And so Egypt is prospering. Look at this. Egypt exports hit a record of $45 billion in 2021. So it's growing, brethren and sisters. Look at the export growth. And look at the dates. That was last year. It is growing, brethren and sisters, and it is prospering. Is that a surprise to us? Well, you'll see in a minute. It shouldn't have been. Well, now, Russia and Egypt discuss a Eurasian economic union, a free trade union. So Egypt and Russia is going to be the leaders in this union. And 472 Russian companies have invested already in Egypt. Staggering. Egypt is also Russia's top trade partner in Africa. So you see, things are changing. So when Russia comes down into the Middle East, what's its first and primary purpose? Look at this. We know these words well. Daniel 11. He shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And of course, as well as that, and the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps or his companions. So you can see, brethren and sisters, when he invades that area and moves through Israel, what's his primary purpose? Well, it's going through to Egypt because of treasures of gold. Well, it may not be gold. There is a lot of gold mines in Egypt, which Russia owns. It may not be just simply gold. It may be oil and natural gas. So Russia invades Egypt for a financial reason. Well, brethren and sisters, we've gone through now that Middle East area. We've looked at Israel. We've looked at Iran. We've looked at the countries that have allied themselves with Iran and those that have allied themselves with Israel. So, brethren and sisters, where are we? What should we do? 
Time looks like it could be very short indeed. Earlier in Revelation, it said similar words to those that we read at the start. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 2, Christ said this, Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. Now, it's a few names which have not defiled their garments. Remember what he said? Watch and keep your garments. Don't defile your garments. And they, we pray us, will walk with Christ in white, for we are worthy. Let us remain separate from this world and all its wicked ways, brethren and sisters. And he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, brethren and sisters. White raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Our names are written in it, but it can be blotted out. Let's remain faithful. Walk in that right way. And I will confess his name before my Father, before Yahweh in the heavens, and before his angels. There we are, brethren and sisters. That can be asked. So, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto us, brethren and sisters. My goodness, the time seems very, very short indeed. Let us be people who are really focused on the truth and walking in God's ways. The time is very short. And it's only just around the corner and the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And we pray we will be part of that group that is established in that day upon this earth. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen. Amen.